Hey, 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 these are the worst day movies ever. My name is Greg Knox, and I thank you very much for listening to the show. I've got a very kind of interesting show for you today. Um, I've uh, looked back through my last couple of series that I've done, and I found that there's one episode every series that I do where it's quite short, and I pick films that I don't necessarily massively enjoy myself, but I do it for you guys because I think that maybe you might enjoy it. And I was looking through the kind of torture porn films that are out there and I was sort of umming and ahhing as to what kind of Japanese film that I wanted to do. And I thought, oh, fuck it, I'll just do Audition. So that's what I did on the last show is myself and Miroslava Hartman covered Audition. And I thought, well, I could do Grotesque as well. And I thought, mm, am I going to like Grotesque or not? But I thought, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. I don't care. So um, I'm doing Grotesque on the show today, which um, is not my favourite film that I've ever watched in my life, as will become very apparent when you listen to the show. But don't let that put you off, because, hey, you know, as much fun as it is talking about films that you like, sometimes it's fun to talk about a film that you think is an absolute piece of shit. And I think that's the case with this film as well. That's, no, not to disparage anyone who likes this film. Hey, if you like this film, you know, don't let my opinion kind of uh, dissuade you from enjoying it. I mean, it is what it is. It's just not my uh, type of film, let's put it that way. As will become very, very apparent from listening to the show, the film has a lot of kind of uh, torture sequences in it, including sexual torture. So there's a fair amount of disturbing content in there. So just be mindful of that. And as always, there's going to be spoilers. Not that there's a lot to spoil in this film, because it's not very plot-heavy, to put it mildly, but in terms of your kind of gore and your sexual violence and all that kind of stuff, I do talk about it basically from beginning to end. Like, if you're one of these people who listens to my show because I'm talking about a film that you've never seen, and you kind of go, well, what happens in it? And then I tell you, this is the show for you. Because, oh boy, that's basically all that this show is. (sighs) <sighs> yeah, a litany of uh, disgusting acts and violence and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, so that's pretty much what this show is. And without any further ado, here is my review of Grotesque by Koji Shiraishi. Enjoy. Onibaba, Kyo, Kaidan, Shura, Gojira, Haosu, Kuroneko, Tetsuo, Audition, Page of Madness. These are some of the greatest films in the history of Japanese horror. Even after that, you've got films like Pulse, Jigoku, Ringu, Dark Water, Juon, Suicide Club, One Missed Call, Uzumaki and even something like Tokyo Gore Police. These films, some of them are pretty good, some of them are quite well known, some of them are not so good. They're all still better than Grotesque, or Gorotescu, which is directed by Koji Shiraishi, and came out in 2009. Who is Koji Shiraishi? He is one of the only directors still kind of working in horror in Japan at the moment. As we kind of talked about in the last show a little bit when we were talking about Audition, the J-horror boom was in the late 90s and sort of the first half of the 2000s. 
And since then, horror in Japan has been less and less popular kind of over time. And Shiraishi is one of the only directors who kind of still makes horror films to this day. In fact, most of his films are horror films. The most well-known film that he's made is a film called Noroi, The Curse, which is a found footage film, is also kind of a mockumentary, and it's really good. It's probably one of the best found footage films I would say ever made. It's really engrossing, it's got a really interesting story, it's got, you know, okay acting, acting's probably not the film's strong point, but it has a lot of atmosphere, and there are parts of it that are genuinely quite chilling and quite scary. So, yeah, I would say of all the kind of fan footage horror films out there, this is the one to watch. It's also the one to watch of Shiraishi's as well. He also made another similar film, which is also found footage kind of mockumentary style film called Occult or Occultu, which came out in 2009, same year as Grotesque, incidentally. And it's also pretty good. It's, you know, again, got quite an interesting sort of story. Uh, Shiraishi in sort of a bit of a meta kind of weird meta textual thing is uh, the main character in the film. He's the person making the documentary. And yeah, no, again, I would say it's pretty good. I would say these sort of found footage films are the films that he makes the best. Unfortunately, I have seen a couple of his other films and they were less good and they were not found footage. They were sort of more traditional horror. Um, there's a film of his called Slip Mouth Woman, which is very kind of J-horror inspired, apparently inspired by like a real urban legend in Japan. Not great, unfortunately. Suffers by an absence of sort of scares and tension and stuff like that doesn't help that within sort of the first five minute of the film, the aforementioned slip mouth woman appears and it's a woman with blue contact lenses and a Chelsea smile carrying a giant pair of scissors. So that's just not really scary to me. And yeah, it's not very good. Also not very good is uh, Sadako versus Kayako. So this is part of the seemingly never ending kind of Ringu series. I only ever saw the first Ringu film. I saw the American remake. I also saw the really, really bad. I don't know if it's meant to be a sequel or a remake film from a few years ago that was awful. Uh, Sadako versus Kayako is better than that, which is admittedly not a very kind of a, uh, high bar to cross as such but it's very weird it's set in the present day people still have vcrs like who still has a vcr in the mid 2010s very very strange it's not really that dissimilar to films like freddy versus jason where the bit that you want to see kind of comes near the end where the the kind of main characters are fighting but in the meantime you've got to have a very boring story going on with people you don't care about it's uh yeah again not very great so on the whole yeah the found footage films he's made are good and definitely worth watching especially noroi other than that the rest of his films not so good from what i've seen and grotesque is probably the worst of them as i'm gonna go into in a sec so grotesque is sort of what i would say is the nay plus ultra or kind of the logical conclusion of torture porn so most torture porn films i've talked about on this series or even ones i haven't generally they have a story so there's you know at least one main character something happens to them but it will happen kind of near the end or it will happen at various points in the film but there's you know a plot and a story and there are 
character developments and you know story developments and things like that uh grotesque is not like that at all there is a story but the story is so blatantly simple that you know it's just a joke and there isn't really any character development it's really just an excuse for torture and this is something that the japanese have done before so i mentioned previously on like the august underground episode for example that japan has a storied history of films that are literally just you know one character torturing another character for minutes on end and then the film just ends and that's it the uh, most well-known example of this are the first two guinea pig films particularly flower of flesh and blood where as i mentioned you've got a man dressed as a samurai who is essentially cutting up a woman for about 30 minutes and then she dies and then the film ends and that's it and the film is notorious because charlie sheen saw it in a hotel room and god knows what state he was in at the time because he thought it was a real thing and he called the police he thought he was watching like an actual snuff movie oh charlie wacky charlie sheen even back in the 80s so this kind of follows on in that tradition, although there are several issues with it that I would say even put it below something like Flower and Flesh and Blood, which I'll go into now. So first problem I've got with this film, and there are many, um, is the film is ugly looking, very, very ugly looking. So throughout this series, I've talked about how I don't particularly like the whole desaturated look. Like I like bright, vibrant colors. That's my thing. You know, that's why I like Italian films so much, is particularly like Argento, even someone like Nicholas Winding Refn, he has like a full colour spectrum in his films. Even by the standards of sort of 2000 horror, this film is ugly looking to an absurd degree. Like Everything is either grey, or brown, or too dark, or the rare scenes that don't take place are just overlit. So the film looks shit, quite frankly. It just looks awful. So that is a problem in and of itself. The biggest problem with this film, though, I would say, in terms of the torture, is whoever did the Foley work on this film needs to have been sacked. It's so bad. So what you'll have is you'll have people obviously being tortured in hilarious ways, but literally everything that's being done to them, the sound effects are just so unrealistic that it's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous kind of how unrealistic the the squidgy sounds are. Like, for example, like, you know, you've got characters getting their fingers cut off and then our main psycho guy kind of picks the fingers off off the floor and it's like just yeah I don't, that was my attempt at sort of bad amsmr for a second but like uh, yeah my point is is that it's just awful awful foley work it's so bad and what that does is that completely kills any tension that the film could possibly have because everything just sounds so fake it's just utterly 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 ridiculous so that's a problem i mean the gore scenes themselves like they're fine like, I mentioned, like, Flower of Flesh and Blood, which is kind of, like, a very obvious comparison to make with a film like this. As I mentioned, you know, someone thought Flower of Flesh and Blood was real, and the gore effects in that film, for a very low-budget film, are very good. And, I mean, the effects in this, I'm not going to say they're terrible, because they're not, but, I mean, really? It's like, is anyone going to actually think that this is real, Probably not. It just looks too artificial. Like, this is a problem... Uh, Mike has this problem as well on some of his digital films, where because it's shot on cheap digital, it doesn't look real in the way that you could think the Texas Chainsaw Massacre looks real because it's shot in this sort of grungy look. 
grungy digital just looks cheap and fake. <laughs> it's just not good at all. So, so that was a problem. Another problem is the camera work at times it's got that kind of 31 vibe <laughs> where the camera is moving so much and the editing is kind of cutting a lot it's like watching wwe so many camera cuts in that it's hard to kind of really properly tell what's going on and i get that's because the film is cheap and it's trying to hide kind of its budgetary constraints but at the same time it's like again it's like hard to focus also, the tone of this is really all over the place. So I get that there are aspects of this film that are meant to be kind of ironic or funny. Like, so there are times in the film where there's classical music playing and it's hilarious classical music as well. As well, It feels very kind of out of place and wrong. So there's a scene where Ness and Dorma, the famous uh, song which is sung by Pavarotti particularly sort of if anyone remembers like the 1990 World Cup that plays and it's this very kind of uplifting music which is being played kind of you know at a very weird time also Land of Hope and Glory very famous classical piece that plays kind of near the end of the film as well but even taking out sort of the musical aspects of it what you have is like the first half of the film is very kind of like yeah, it's very kind of grimy and it's very icky in places. But then they try and add, like, well, Shiraishi is clearly trying to add levity to the film and it really doesn't work. Like, you can't add levity to a film like this. And the ending, oh my God, like, the ending itself is just utterly ridiculous. And I kind of respect it for its ridiculousness, but, yeah, again, doesn't really work. So your tone is all over the place in this which doesn't help um another problem it's full of problems with this film um so flower of flesh and blood is about 40 minutes long and it's very to the point really this woman gets kidnapped she gets cut to bits and then the film ends okay great fine not something that i particularly want to put myself through but it's only 40 minutes this film is 70 minutes long this is way too long for a film like this with so little kind of story in it that kind of the film has to almost make up reasons for it to last that long. So one of the key kind of aspects of the plot is that the our main torture guy, who, by the way, looks like kind of a younger Takeshi Kitano, like beat Takeshi. So for anyone who's seen sort of uh, Battle Royale, for example, any of Kitano's own films, he looks like he could be Kitano's son. It's ridiculously uncanny. But yeah, anyway, um, he is torturing these people for reasons that are ridiculous and make no sense. And it doesn't even really matter anyway. Like the film, like you could, and I'm going to go into this later on is that you can add any kind of like, Oh, well this is a commentary on this and this, we're clearly trying to say this or this or this. It, no, it doesn't matter. It's just, it's a torture film at the end of the day. It's just people being tortured on camera. And because our psycho character is a doctor. They have it where like, oh, well, I'm going to do this to you, but then I'm going to sort of heal your wounds and bandage you afterwards and things like that, which I'm like, okay, it's just prolonging the inevitable. Like, you know, it's not really a spoiler to say like, well, you know, these people, they're not going to survive this. It's just a waste of time. And it doesn't really put you through the ringer in an emotional way like something like Eden Lake does, where, spoiler for Eden Lake, the two main characters in that film die 
in that film too. But that is almost more heart-wrenching and more kind of like a gut punch because we cared about those characters. I do not give a single fuck about the characters in this film because we've been given no reason to care. Literally, they get kidnapped within the first 30 seconds of the film starting and then we see them go on a date and that's it. That's the only kind of backstory we're given for them. And they're really dumb as well. They are so dumb. So, again, I, you know, I, I don't like kind of doing plot, but I mean... <laughs> For a film like this, I mean, who really cares? What is the point? So they get kidnapped. Uh, they There's the sexual stuff that goes on, which is not really a lot of fun to watch. It's actually the worst thing in the film is, yeah, also very unrealistic. So he masturbates both of these these people, and then they orgasm, which I don't think is realistic, but whatever, I don't know. I don't want to linger on that aspect of it too much. He cuts their, their fingers off with a chainsaw and makes a necklace out of them for them to wear. He cuts her nipples off with a pair of scissors. He cuts her arm off with a chainsaw. He gets nails hammered into his balls and then he gets his penis cut off with her knife. He gets his right eye popped with a sharp instrument of some description that I got to be honest, I couldn't be bothered to check. And then after the midway point of the film where kind of you think that he might let them go, again, dumb, he cuts the guy's intestines out of his body, ties them up to some kind of hook device and says, well, this woman's tied up. If you somehow, you know, free yourself from this and let her go, I'll let her live. So he cuts his own intestines away. He goes to set her free. Uh, so she's tied up to this wooden contraption. There's rope around her, her wrist and her legs. But it actually turns out that the material around her wrist is actually rope with some kind of metal underneath it. So he dies. And then it, she cuts this scathing, what I can only describe as promo on this guy, saying that his mother is a prostitute and that he smells really bad and he doesn't know that he smells and his mother smells and you're both absolutely disgusting and all this kind of stuff. And then he cuts her head off with an axe and then she, and this is the ending that I warned you guys about, her head bites his neck even though it's devoid of a body and then you think he's dead except he's not dead and he then just carries on and he kidnaps another woman and that's it. So, yeah, all very, very kind of silly, 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 silly stuff. And, yeah, it's just aspects of the film don't really make any sense, as I said. So there's a part in the middle of the film where he's cut this guy's dick off with a knife. And then I should point out that near the beginning of the film... Uh, the main character, so our psycho character, says that, you know, I want you to excite me. You know, I want you to, if I feel excitement from your will to live, I will let you go. And then at some point he kind of says to the guy, look, you know, if you, because there's some line that is very kind of tacked on in the flashback where this woman just asks this guy, like on their first date, you know, would you die for me? You know, if you were tortured relentlessly, like, would you die for me? And he's like, uh, yeah, sure, why not? I guess. And then this psycho obviously puts him 
to the test on that and yeah cuts his genitals off or whatever and then because he's some kind of sick sexual pervert and he can't obviously get aroused in a normal way he just goes yep i'm i'm fine now i've cut your dick off and i'm gonna let you go at no point while they're being kind of tended to in this weird kind of overly lit hospital room do they go well you know what this guy tortured us but he did say he would let us go so I think I believe him. I think we should trust this guy. Yeah, absolutely. At no point do they go, fuck this, and try and escape, which is what a normal person would do. No, they just believe him, and then he just tortures them and kills them both anyway. So great. So that's stupid. So the characters in this film, utterly moronic, which I think is the point, but Jesus Christ, it's just so stupid and the ending which i mentioned where this severed head somehow bites this guy's neck but it's actually not real or maybe it is real i don't know it's very very stupid first of all it's not even an original ending anyway there's an italian film from 1980 by lamberto barba called macabre which ends with someone's severed head biting someone's neck and it was stupid in that film as well so yeah again not original but yeah it's i don't know some people have talk, talked about how the ending oh you know it's blackly comedic no it's stupid fucking stupid so yeah that that was dumb as well and does it kind of redeem the rest of the film where it's torture and torture and torture and then it's got a silly ending i mean endings are things that shiraishi in all his films none of his films have a kind of normal ending shall we say you know, uh, a cult, for example, has a very strange ending that sort of makes sense in the context of the film, but is very kind of weird and open-ended. Uh, Naroy has a very ambiguous ending, shall we say? It does and it doesn't answer certain questions. Not going to spoil that because I said that film's good. Kind of want you to watch that one. And even his other two films that I watched, they don't have sort of standard endings. So he's just, yeah, I don't know. He's got a thing about endings. What can I say? Yeah. Right. So talking about this film is not really very interesting. It, you know what? If It's the kind of film where, you know, if you're in the mood to watch someone being tortured relentlessly for like an hour, then yeah, I guess go ahead and watch it. But really, I mean... It's just silly. Like, if you're going to make a film like this, it needs to have a plot, quite frankly. It's like, if a film doesn't have a plot, then what's the point of even watching it? Like, or even if it doesn't have a plot, don't make it, like, over an hour long. It's just, ah, uh, anyway. Um, so there's an interview that I've got here with uh, Shiraishi. Uh, it's with uh, 3AM Magazine, interestingly. And the interviewer asked him, how did you feel when you heard Grotesque was banned in England? I was happy. Since there was a reaction, I was very happy. But of course, it can't be shown and it can't be released. I'm a little disappointed, but actually that means the movie I made has the power to cause a controversy. So I'm happy in that way. And then the follow-up question is, so the purpose of Grotesque was to cause a reaction? And then Shiraishi says, as the person who made it, I wanted to make something that was impressive. And then the producer said, I want you to make something horribly violent, so violent that it almost can't be shown. As these were my orders, I embraced the challenge of making something stirring and emotional while portraying extreme violence. I would interject here, stirring and emotional, no. <laughs> it's not stirring and it's not emotional. Don't know what you're talking about. I digress. Anyway, I wanted to portray people who withstood 
as much one-sided merciless violence as possible, who were unable to fight back, but who never entirely succumbed, not even in the end. I was also, as a director, interested in portraying the feelings of one who'd commit such crimes, so I didn't want to abandon that angle. I thought merging these two things would be interesting. I kept that in mind as I made the film. Of course, on the surface it's a violent movie, since I like that kind of stuff, and since I'm making the film I can see beyond that. Some people will only see the violence and not the central parts of the story. It's a natural reaction, I accept that. Now, I would say... (laughs) In response to this, it's like, okay, what is beyond the surface of the film? So if there is something going on there in the story of which some people have gotten out of it more than me, there are some people, I haven't got any examples of this in front of me, but there are some people who have seen this as kind of like a Japanese version of something like Funny Games. Because in Funny Games, it's these two kind of uh, bourgeois kind of youths who torture this family and then a bunch of stuff happens which I won't go into, and it's a commentary on kind of violence in film and things like that, because uh, yeah, it's Michael Haneke. You kind of know what you're getting with Michael Haneke. He's a deeply serious man. Whereas with this, is no way in a million years I can take that from that. The film is basically quite mean-spirited in a lot of ways. So people have interpreted mean-spiritedness as, well, this is actually a commentary on torture porn itself and what the Shiraishi is going for is to comment on well, in torture porn films these things happen blah blah blah, all this shit you know what, it's not that deep guys, it really isn't I don't think you can take it from there really, and there's a very interesting quote In this, uh, later on in the interview, do you watch violent movies? Yes, I watch them. It depends on the film, but movies that merely focus on blood and guts are boring. You don't say. Quite ironic that he uh, mentioned that. So at this point, because I don't really have a lot else to say on the film, because it's not really a type of film that you can talk about for any great detail, is I'm going to bring back something that I've not done for a few shows. This is Reviews from the Outer Rim. So this is the section of the show that I do sometimes where I talk about reviews of the film in different parts of the internet, mostly letterboxed, it has to be said, where, let's put it this way, there's some interesting takes on the film that I wanted to go through. Now, Reviews from the Outer Rim aren't necessarily reviews that I don't agree with in the slightest. As this review by Jake Day on Letterboxd gave it one and a half stars out of five, he said, Another messy tabletop torture film with huge impetus being placed upon the acts of violence themselves, reminiscent of several of the guinea pig films its attention to aesthetic and apparent disregard for a compelling narrative. While there is a plot, it's Fred Bear. Essentially, uh, yeah, it goes through what the plot is, but this is not a film that wants to engage spectators with complex structures and unifying themes. Instead, it is a barrage of extreme imagery, ranging from the sexually explicit to brutal and barbaric sadism. The practical effects waver in consistency, occasionally achieving their primary sole aim of eliciting disgust, but often they look all too rubbery, stiff and disconnected. The most affecting moments are prolonged instances of sexual violence, with extreme close-ups of both the act and the effect of providing no respite for the spectator. It's these fragmented depictions of both sex and violence that demonstrate how the film isn't trying to make any intelligent comment on the role of these two ideas within society, instead it is cheap titillation. 
The voyeuristic lens used to photograph the sexual violence does nothing but fragment the victim. It portions them off, objectifies them. The same approach is used for the macabre moments of torture. In my experience, these films that want to depict such savage acts work a lot better when they're capable of showing the moment as a whole. One of the most affecting scenes of violence in the film that comes to mind is the tunnel sequence in Irreversible, one long continuous shot. See, uh... My review of Irreversible with Miroslav Hartman a couple of shows ago for that, because it's a great scene, and I totally agree with this person here for that reason. Anyway, going back to the review of Grotesque here, this is cheap and juvenile. It wants to be able to do nothing but shock and disgust. It might achieve that once or twice, but these are fleeting feelings. They're gone seconds later. If a film doesn't follow up the initial shock with something else, an idea, a question, or provocation, then what is the point? And I agree wholeheartedly with that. I mean, anyone who listened to my Martyrs review will know that I put myself through the absolute emotional ringer because I was so scared, oh my god, you know, I don't want to watch this, I had a horrible time watching it, because I cared about what was going on in that film, I cared about the characters and what happened to them. In this, I do not give a fuck, like I mentioned already. So if I don't care what happens to the characters, like them being you know sexually tortured and literally mutilated with a chainsaw or whatever, then it's like, okay, great. <laughs> I'm just watching someone being tortured and it's like, okay, maybe that makes me sound inhuman or, you know, not empathetic or a psycho. Maybe I don't know, but I've watched enough of these films to know, well, if you don't make me care for the characters and the violence happening to them, then why should I care? Why should I give a fuck? I don't know. But that's a negative review, and that's generally kind of similar to sort of the sort of thoughts that I have about the film. There are people who have, let's say, differing opinions to that, which I'm going to go into now, because, you know, am I wrong? Am I just looking at this as sort of this very kind of simple film? Um, anyway, so this review is from a website called easternkicks.com. And part of the review that's interesting is, all extreme nastiness aside, what really helps to lift the film from the Japanese gore ghetto is the fact that although the budget was obviously low, no shit, Koji is a highly talented director who makes good use of his limited resources. Indeed, as a three-player piece with really only one location, most of the money has clearly gone on the special effects, which are impressive and convincing. The film rarely flinches away, with most of the violence being on-screen. Mmm... It kind of is. There's not really sort of lingering close-ups on the violence, but I can't say I agree with that wholeheartedly. It doesn't cut away for all of it, like it does in, let's say, Hostels or whatever, but never mind. Anyway, the film, uh, da, 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 rather than the kind of weak CGI blood which has sadly become prevalent in the genre, this gives Grotesque a winningly old-school feel that does indeed hark back to the good old guinea pig days with which the film has arguably more in common than the Western torture porn of Saw or Hostel. This is undoubtedly a good thing, as it gives viewers a chance to see how the genre really should be done, freed from the needless niceties of plot and good taste, and simply playing on the gruesome outrages. Koji Shiraishi is easily one of the most interesting directors working in Japanese horror, and the film confirms that he is equally at home with scares and over-the-top gore, being one of the few willing to occasionally break away from the usual long-haired ghost shenanigans in such ways to generally make people squirm. Now, I take exception to the whole, like, well, you know, 
we we're doing violence and this film you know it's got no plot and it's just people being tortured and isn't that great and isn't that better no i don't think it is better and the reason for that is like i explained earlier the guinea pig films they are the same in a lot of ways they don't have the same sort of sexual stuff going on in them but it's very violent they're much shorter if i want to see someone kind of being cut up I'd rather only watch it being done for, let's say, 30 minutes as opposed to basically an hour and them having to find kind of excuses to kind of prolong the agony. Like, it's not literally someone being cut up for an hour. That would get incredibly repetitive very quickly. But instead, it's someone kind of being tortured sexually for about 20 minutes, which is a bit boring. Then someone being cut up for about 20 minutes. And then it's like, oh, no, wait, I have to leave you. And then it's more ridiculousness. And yeah, so... No, I don't think it is. As much as I don't really like Hostel, I would rather watch Hostel. Hostel at least has a story. Hostel at least has characters that you can kind of identify with, even if they're not the nicest people in the world. Not to rehash that again. But yeah, I would rather watch that. And plus, like, Shiraishi has made much better films than this. Much better. Uh, Even his, you know, Sadako Kayako film is better than this. (laughs) <laughs> you know, not just in the way it looks, is that, you know, it's, yeah, uh, so, I don't know, I don't buy that argument for one second, quite frankly. Okay, so that's someone who has their own website, so they have a degree of legitimacy in this kind of stuff. What about your average kind of guy on Letterboxd, for example? What do they think? Is there something I'm missing? So, my uh, attention was drawn to this review by Sven Roth. Uh, it's uh, Three and a half out of five review on Letterboxd. He even hearted it. So he loves the film. And it's quite a long review. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. But I'm going to kind of... Uh, let me find the right thing. So here we go. What is there to say about the story? It's just disgusting torture porn with brainless torture, right? I do not blame you if you really think so. Although I have to tell you, you could not be more wrong. There's one thing I love more than torture porn with good quality of camera and acting, and that is torture porn with a fantastic story behind it. It's really hard to make a movie in this genre enjoyable if it's longer than 40 minutes. I agree with that. But grotesque is full of moments to think about, about the relationship that develops while being in such a situation, about your own willingness to survive or to sacrifice everything necessary, all that wrapped up in a beautiful tour de force. The gore isn't too much in your face, but it still hurts you. The torture is marvellous. Hmm. I uh, can't describe it otherwise. One of the first torture moments comes without gore, but it's one of the most powerful and merciless moments I've ever seen. This quality remains throughout the movie. I've never wanted to write more than a few sentences about this movie. This just shows how intrigued I am from this movie. Ultimate despair. Pithy kind of letterbox two-word review at the end there. So, yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. And you'll probably have heard from that review that there isn't really a lot mentioned in the review as to why the film itself is good. It's just this person enjoyed it, essentially. And look, don't get me wrong, if they enjoyed it, they are perfectly within their rights to enjoy it, and this isn't me kind of making fun of them for enjoying it. Look, everyone's entitled to like or dislike whatever they want, but at the end of the day, there's nothing really in the review to kind of convince me that I've made some kind of mistake in my judgment. It's not a film for me. 
If you want to watch it, hey, it's banned in the UK. If you want to see why it's banned in the UK, then by all means check it out. But it's not something that I would recommend. To be honest, if you want to watch a film like this, it's better just to watch Flower of Flesh and Blood. It does the same thing in a better way. It looks more convincing and it's shorter too. Um, So yeah, but how bad is it? So this is the part of the show where I ask, how bad a date movie this film is? And oh boy, this is a pretty uh, obvious choice for this one. So why you would want to watch Grotesque on a date, I don't know, unless you're some kind of weird kind of weebo and you want to show off kind of how edgy you are. So you're going to watch sort of a Japanese kind of torture porn film with your date. Because, <laughs> yeah, I guess there are people out there in the world who would do something like that. In terms of how bad it is, it's either very bad or the worst. I can't really say it's... I don't know. It's hard. I'm going to say it's very bad. Now, it's not a good date movie, even in the slightest, and it's far beyond the realms of a bad date movie. It's a very bad date movie. Like, fuck, the whole film is just an excuse to kind of, you know, show torture and stuff like that. But even then, I would say... As depressing as this is going to sound, you could actually do worse than that. To me, like I always say, I kind of save the worst for the absolute, absolute worst of the worst. And yeah, as horrible as this is, as bad as this is, you still could do worse than this. As fucked up as that's going to sound, you're going to, all going to think I'm mental. But yeah, as I always say, you know what? I've seen a lot of shit and there's even worse shit than this. Let's put it that way. So, grotesque not recommended it's a very bad date movie and that's pretty much all i have to say on the matter so that's all for this episode of worst date movies ever my name is greg knox if you enjoyed me kind of talking all this shit about grotesque then uh, give me a like give me a share give me a subscribe and all that good stuff on the next show i'm going to bring miroslava hartman back on the show to uh, talk about a film that's quite frankly a lot better than grotesque it is antichrist by lars von trier this is uh where torture porn goes art house this is kind of the closest thing we have from this period it's also 2009 where stuff gets fucked up, but in a very classy, artistic way, as I'm sure you all agree. And uh, I look very, very much to uh, you uh, listening to that show, and I hope you've enjoyed this one. And, uh, yeah, take care of yourself, and uh, I'll see you on the next show. Thank you for listening. If you want to follow me on social media, you can at Worst Date Movies Ever. And don't forget to click subscribe wherever you're listening to this right now to never miss another episode of Worst Date Movies ever.